can we call him Jim Harden? Why does TJ Warren have 50 points? Train by day, chop shop podcast by night, all day. All right, hello, welcome back to another episode of the show. Joined by the uh, usual suspects here and uh, hot off the mic, we got John with a few live opinions on the uh, Utah-Denver game. Let's get it off your chest uh, for everyone, John. Donovan Mitchell, snake dribble to the free throw line. Good for 20 points a game. Uh, God forbid we look into stopping that, even though we've given up 103 quarters twice in this short series. And it's going to be really short after tonight, I think. Um, And Jokic drives me up the wall. Um, I know he's very skilled as a big man, but when he plays that slow and doesn't play well, it makes me want to die a lot. That's it for now. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mitchell's only averaging, I think, 40 points a game. So there's no guard, please. Yeah. Love of God. Watch one minute of film or do something. But, uh, okay, that's a good intro for the the pod tonight. I know uh, we have some non-basketball topics that we may or may not get into later with a lot of uh, history and drone strikes and Giannis winning defensive play of the year. But uh, Bag and Jake, you guys got anything at the top you want to get off your chest? Uh, in regards to this Utah uh, Denver series, I put uh, 50 bucks on the Nuggets to win the series, and the number moved with me. So I bought it at like minus 200. I think it closed around like 280, 300, which is usually a good sign. Um, and then ever since then, it's been pretty downhill. So I would like to say goodbye to that $50. <laughs> Live and learn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would just like to say it's pretty obvious that Jamal Murray needs to be the best player on the Nuggets for them to win this series or not lose by 35 points. Yeah, again, live and learn. That's a, that's a pretty fair lesson. Uh, the pressing issue, I think the reason that we, when we were talking yesterday, we wanted to do this pod today was pretty much for one guy, Luka Doncic, uh, you know, showed us some things that, Pretty impressive considering the guy's been in four playoff games in his entire career in the NBA, that is. But um, that was put into perspective for me that this dude has only been in four playoff games. He seems to accumulate the number. The numbers just don't make sense. I don't know how, like, he gets those rebound and assist numbers so high other than the fact I guess he's in on every single play. But um, I think we're in a completely fair point right now to overreact to everything Luka Doncic. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, would you put money on him finishing as a top 10 player all time or not being in the top 10 all time? Like if you had to pick one. Um, <laughs> anyone? Um, yeah, I, I, I thought I, you guys would be jumping at the bit. I was wondering the question. Someone go ahead. Someone go ahead. Um, I think right now it'd be easy to say, yeah. I mean, he is young. It's what he's 21 years old. Skill is where it's at now. Barring any sort of injury, and the way he plays, he can play that way for a long time. It's not like he's relying solely on athletic ability. It's it's skill. He's not going to shrink. He's only going to become a better three point shooter. Um, I said I'd say barring any catastrophic injury, I don't. I think he could be a top ten player of all time. I mean, 21 years old. He's already as good as he – I mean, he's 
a legitimate MVP candidate for the next five years. Everybody's cool with saying that. At least. Yeah. At least. Yeah. yeah. Five years from now, he's my age. That, like, that pains me to say. But five years from now, he's 26 years old. Yeah, it's crazy. Or Buddy healed four years ago. But he's <laughs> – I mean, just looking at what he's done thus far, I don't think that's that's crazy at all. Yeah, I think John pretty much hit the nail on the head. And it's mostly just the way that he plays is conducive to a long career and sustainable career. And, you know, like he said, barring any catastrophic injury, I mean, there's no reason to believe that he can't play the same way he's playing right now when he's 41 as opposed to 21. So, Yeah, I have uh, two things on that. One is this little bit of a little bit long-winded, but I – this is all going to come back to the point, I promise. I follow this golf (laughs) better on Twitter, and his guy is Colin Morikawa. He loves Colin Morikawa. Anyway, he didn't bet him to win the PGA Championship. People were like, this is your guy. Why aren't you betting him? And he's like, well, he's 23, he's young, he doesn't know how to putt in the major. Anyway, Colin Morikawa goes out and wins that major. And then after the major happened, this golf better. his name's James Wazola. Anyone wants to follow him, good follow. Anyway, he was like, the lesson is learned, and you never doubt your guy. You never doubt your gut. And I did the same thing with Luca this series, because Weave texted me, and he was like, hey, Mavs plus six tonight, and that was game one. And I was like, Man, I, I love the Mavs. I love Luka, but they've been getting rocked by the Clippers all year. I don't see it. I mean, I think this goes four or five. And I doubted Luka, and he's my guy. And I think for the foreseeable future, I'm never going to doubt Luka on anything. I'm not counting him out of the series. I'm not counting him out to make it past the second round, third round, whatever. He's incredible. And I think he's well on pace to be an all-time guy, whether he ends up in the top ten. All that stuff is so – variant with rings and everything else but it'd be hard to bet against him right now and he's doing this in the series against the best perimeter defenders that the league has to offer down the stretch they had it was a perfect shot whether it was tnt or espn they had Kawhi, and it was during that free throw after luke hit the back-to-back threes in the fourth quarter and you see Kawhi look at everybody else in the court and he says i have here he says i got here and then Luca went down the court and he scored again. He, he's not doing it against slouches. I mean, this is Kawhi pressuring him. And, and when you, they show the slow-mo on Kawhi playing defense, you realize how many little intricacies there are that he just does well. He's strong as shit. He's long. He's always contesting the ball. And Luca's still finding a way to get it done. And he has confidence against Kawhi. That's the best defender in the league. And he's 21 years old. And he's finding different ways to score. And he also had to change it up in the last game because the ankle wasn't 100%. Everyone could tell that. But he's still finding ways to score in the lane, and he still has the step back whenever he needs it. It's crazy. His shot-making ability from the outside when he absolutely needs to make a shot is insane. He's always on time with the three-point shot. Yeah, anytime he gets into the paint, it's, it's sort of Harden-esque in that it's those long steps where he can go a lot of different directions, but he's also big enough and strong enough where – you know, even if you do step in front of him, he can finish through you. I also yeah. want to touch no, – go ahead, Sean. I was just going to add that John talked about the shot-making ability um, on the perimeter, and he was definitely feeling that foot or leg, whatever it was, because he had those two air balls. And that step back, like, that's his go-to. Like, we've seen it so many times now where it's just like, you know, whatever beforehand, but then he's probably going to finish the combo with that step back to the left. 
I would love to know the numbers on that one, especially whenever it matters. Cause I've seen that thing go through the hoop, like way more than it doesn't. Um, and just the longevity, you guys all hit on it in terms of already having the old man's game and, and those skills don't go anywhere. They just get fine tuned. Um, he does, he's not relying on some ridiculous 40 inch vert again, like the, he does have like, uh, like a odd build and it's got, and it's got better, but like, um, there's not that wear and tear where the, I think a lot of the common injuries um, are going to be a concern for like guys like John Moran, who are just, who's just everywhere and uh, all over the floor jumping around like uh, with reckless abandon. But yeah, I, I, I know, I don't think it's really safe to even put a ceiling on Luca right now. Just yeah. another thing I wanted to touch on. Um, so like just the series in general, like I would say most of us right now, we knew that Luca was really good, but it's fun seeing people react to Luca and be like, holy shit, this guy's, this guy's incredible. And my favorite part of that is people are being like, this guy is super competitive. And if you've been watching Luca for the past two years, you know, he's super competitive. The dude was playing in the second best basketball league in the world at age 16. You think he was soft as shit or whatever <laughs> playing in that league? He's 16 years old. He won the MVP of the league at 18. This dude is built different. John mentioned also the him like going at Kawhi. And I think it's funny in the league how these guys almost need to get like that stamp of approval from the proven ones. Like I, I think the the league really didn't put like the stamp on uh, Tatum until that ridiculous double overtime game against the Clippers, whenever he was like guarding Kawhi and then going at Kawhi and everyone was like, all right, Tatum's like for real. And Lucas has already been doing this for two two years in the league, but um, whenever everyone is watching and you combine that with him, you know, going at what we, a lot of us would consider to be the best defender, uh, best defensive perimeter team in the league for sure. Uh, just put the stamp on it and everyone kind of gets on the same page. Before we move on from that series, I, I don't know if we're done with Luca, but I just want to make sure we talk about how good Kawhi Leonard is. Can we talk because, about how yeah. bad Paul George is too? <laughs> All right. Easy. Paul, I think Paul George scores 45 points tonight because everybody knows he's going to have one of those games where he just explodes. And I want to make sure I'm on the right betting end of that. So I'm betting Paul George to score over 30 every game until he does. Um, but Kawhi Leonard, I think is going to be so, so underappreciated five to 10 years from now, because he was never a guy that did it in a flashy way. And I think only people that present were present and got to watch him be great. Like we have, like we've been fortunate enough to do since he was a 20, what 22 year old kid winning MVP. In the I finals. love him at San Diego state, man. I picked him to win it all whenever they were there actually, which is funny, but yeah. yeah but he's one of those guys that like, I think it's going to be really hard to look back on, especially for younger kids. Like, down the road, whenever that may be, if you didn't get to actively watch Kawhi and see how much he impacts every single facet of the game, I don't think you'll ever be able to do it if you didn't do it live. He's not going to be in the spotlight either, to your point. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be like, LeBron's not going away anytime soon. Like, for the rest of his life, we're going to see LeBron James around. Kawhi Leonard's going to finish with his rings and whatever else, and he's going to just be chilling. He's going to continue driving that Chevy Tahoe that he's been driving since high school. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he'll be one of those guys that, like, when people tune into the halftime show, and God forbid if Chuck and Shaq are still doing it, they'll mention Kawhi's name, and, like, people have to pull out Google. Oh, I feel like a lot of that happens with, like, uh, I don't I didn't really have this list prepared, but, like, 
people like Eldrin Baylor, like you never hear anything about him. Absolute killer. So like, yep. I think I could totally see that being Kawhi. I think it could even happen to Dame Lillard. Dude, that's Oof. funny that you say that though, because I think, was it, was he, was Eldrin watching the game last night? And they yeah, showed, he, he, yeah, because yeah. I was like, is that Elgin Baylor? And then they're like, <laughs> Elgin Baylor. And I was like, I don't know why I got that, but like, how the hell am I supposed to recognize that that's Elgin Baylor before you say <laughs> yeah. that? One, he just... played in the 60s, and two, he's at like 240 pixels on a webcam. Like, what the hell? <laughs> and they do that like slow zoom in where it's, you're not really sure which one they're zooming in on. And then he's just sitting there like, I know exactly what you mean. They, they got to work on that a little bit. If the person isn't waving their hands and everything, uh, they got to hold our hands on what we're supposed to be. Yeah, you like, know, Elgin oh. Baylor's PR person too, just sat him down in front of that. And he was screaming. That's why he kept turning his head. He's like, I don't want to do this shit. <laughs> I give a fuck about this computer for <laughs> Microsoft's giving us 10 grand for this look. You're doing it. Yeah. Sit yeah, there I'm, and so, smile. I'm somehow disappointed in myself for not recycling an 85 year old man when he was six, <laughs> nine and 250 pounds in his prime. You went and watched his tape after though, right? I mean, he's an insane rebound king. He has, he is one of those guys with insane rebound numbers. Yeah, it's, dude, he was like serving in the army or whatever it was while playing. Like he'd go like do like army training or if it was like army reserves or whatever it was, he would come back and then play and then get yeah. forty. Yeah, he'd do a weekend <laughs> shooting M fours and then he'd come back and score score forty. You think Dave even... could be one of those guys that was forgotten? I just hate how the whole argument has gotten so uh, ring heavy. It's like, if you just don't have a ring, we just don't give a shit about you. And I, I, like a week ago, people were like, oh yeah, Dame's getting a ring. But now it's like, uh, they're, I mean, they're losing. They're, they're done. We talked, we said earlier, rest in peace Blazers. It's absolutely done. I think he, he well, could get forgotten because there's so many good point guards and I mean, Steph's the only one in this era that really has a ring. So um, that, that would work to a guy like Chris Paul's advantage or uh, Dame Lillard's advantage. You could say Kyrie has one. I said great point guards, though. No. Oh. <laughs> no, my, the thing is, though, like, I hate the ring argument because, especially right now, like, unless you're one of three guys, like, unless you're Steph, LeBron, or Kawhi, you're probably not going to win a ring unless you're on their team. So, yep. like, that argument is just kind of goofy in the long run. Like, even if you think about, like, the 2000s, like, unless you were Tim Duncan, Kobe, or pretty much either one of those two guys, except, except for the outlying year where you had, like, the Pistons. That, like, they didn't have any greats. Yeah, but yeah, the back, one year, but. You're speaking from a place of reason. That's completely reasonable. Like, if you look back in the – if people look back at the 80s with absolutely no reason, it's just like, oh – Chuck didn't get a ring. This guy didn't get a ring. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, there's only two guys that did. Like, and people, I don't think, will look back on this era with the same kind of uh, hind- perfect hindsight. Yeah. The, well, the funny thing push, it's, can I just push back on this Dame thing real quick? And I'm just stealing this straight from Rosillo is that, that he is like, so Rosillo is talking about how Dame doesn't get criticized as the other guys get criticized. You know what I mean? So Dame may not be getting criticized for not having a ring. Because Harden is certainly going to if he doesn't win one. But there's been no Dame slander yet. And even if they get bounced out of this series in five, which it looks like they're going to do, it doesn't seem to be like there's going to be a whole lot of criticism for them because they had this great playoff run. But ultimately, they make the eighth seed. Now, does that change next year in the West if they get bounced again? And then we look at Dame's whole resume and it's, you know, 
four and oh or he got swept four oh in the Western Conference Finals and that was really the highlight of his playoffs like as far as getting far was obviously he made some big shots but I don't know it's tough to see which way that narrative will bounce with Dame though is he so popular that he's never actually going to get criticized for not winning that ring I think you hit the nail on the head though with those big shots and that might be enough to save him it's just yeah. those those marquee moments that you can look back on kind of candidly and be like, I, do you remember when Dame hit the step back going right from 46 feet to send uh, Russ and Paul George home? Okay, that might sure. save them. Um, I know what you're saying, though. You could be right. I think that's unfair just to guys like Harden who are, you know, so good, and they're ultimately going to get more criticism because they came up short, you know. It's ultimately like when a one seed loses in the Elite Eight, elite eight and they're like, well, they choked. It's like, well – they were definition by choking because they didn't make the final four as a one seed. It's completely variant. You know, who's been catalyst, the catalyst to this argument though, and this rationale is fucking Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, for sure. It drives me. And he makes those bullshit backhanded comments to Chuck every night, whenever he's talking about what it takes to win win a ring. And he goes, Kenny Kenny knows, Kenny knows. Shaq, shut the fuck up. Honestly. I huge Shaq fan, but those backhand bullshit comments, and he's added so much heat and I guess legitimacy because it's Shaq talking about it to this whole ring argument. And it certainly served Shaq having four of them. You know what I mean? It's, and I know what you mean. I there was a clip the other night, and Chuck was like, "Why are you?" I think Chuck called him out on it. He's like, "What does me having no rings have to do with this?" And he's like, "I didn't say. I didn't say I have rings." And like you implied it with every word that you just said. And they like actually went back to the start of the segment and played the tape. I know what you mean. It, it's just the, the, we've talked about this. Absolutely no middle ground, no nuance. It's just like no context. It's like, yeah. you, did you win a ring? Or no ring. <laughs> you won the ring? Okay, everything you do matters. You're the greatest. You didn't win a ring? We're just going to literally throw all of that out. I'd probably weight it, honestly, like 70-30. Like, you get a little extra, like 30% being the ring. Like, you're still an amazing player. Like, most of it really matters about the actual player. You get a little extra weight if you have some rings. And Shaq Shaq making those little shitty comments, though, just to kind of disqualify Chuck's legitimacy, It for young people that don't realize how good Charles Barkley was, I think that I think that sets them back and like, oh, Chuck was trash. Go back and look at those numbers sometime. If there, I'm sure there will be one or two people that listen to this that don't really realize how great Chuck was. Go back and look at those numbers. And he's one of those guys that could play today. He was a freak. Kind of like a Zion Williamson before Zion Williamson. He's six six, but played big as shit and was athletic as hell for his size. He was even more conditioned than Zion. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Because he wasn't always in the best of shape, except until he got to Phoenix. But yeah, yeah, I was gonna say he's a little bit, a little, a little bit better shape than Zion. (laughs) That's not saying much. (laughs) Yeah, and he's Jack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's why the Draymond to. Charles comparison it might be the funniest thing that I've ever heard it's like Charles led that what he was the best player on the Suns team took MJ to six and like had them legitimately on the ropes like was that the was that the that was the 94 I think 94 could you imagine Draymond Green being the best player on a team I can tell you what happens it was this past season they had 14 wins exactly (laughs) 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. We're comparing a top 25 player all time to one of the best role players, maybe. There's nothing wrong with that, too. Is he one of the best role players of all time in a perfect situation? Sure. Should we compare him to, like you said, top 25 player of all time? Hell no. <laughs> Chuck played for 15 years, and he got 22, 12, and 4. <laughs> 15 years. And that's when you went to college. So what he played until he was like 38 or something? Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't do the math on that part. Yeah, it's crazy. Chuck with modern medicine could have played till 50. <laughs> Might still be playing if you didn't drink and party so much. <laughs> I yeah, that... I can't fault him for that though, right? <laughs> Me either, as we both sit here drinking alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a story of him not wanting to go to Philly and they like wanted to weigh him. Like they wanted to like do like a physical and he – they were weighing him on like a Sunday or whatever. He found out on Friday and he said he went and drank and partied and ate the entire weekend. And, and like uh, Philly brought him in the office, weighed him and just cussed him out. It was like a couple of days before the draft. Like you fat mother, you know, all that. Like, and they're just so pissed. Uh, but I, you know, the rest is history. Um, so that came from Luka Doncic. So that, I mean, that's all good stuff. Uh, but we, we, uh, we brought up where I think uh, we're all going next was uh, the OKC in Houston uh, debacle story, two and two, two, tied up two and two. And we got our boy James Harden and uh, Chris Paul and our other boy, Stephen Adams. Um, Russ had something to say to Stephen Adams. That was pretty much the highlight of uh, that game. What, what do you guys make of the OKC at Houston stuff? Dennis Schroeder's putting on for his kid. I can tell you that much. Um, I think he had 30 yesterday um and then the only other real big takeaway i have is russ needs to chill out because steven adams will tie him in a in a ball and, and stuff him through the basketball hoop he needs to relax i think steven adams had to get permission to chris paul first before he could talk to russ <laughs> yeah I, um, I would say my takeaway is lou dort's really effective at making James Harden ineffective. Um, I don't know if that'll ultimately control the series. OKC is really good. I really uh, like them. Like I said, I figured they could get out of the first round if they got the right matchup. I don't know if Houston is that right matchup, but it's been a good series. Um, I'm rooting for Houston, but OKC scares the shit out of me as a Harden guy because if he loses the series, it's going to be a tough couple days on Twitter. Oh, yeah, that'll suck. Twitter's insufferable, like you said last night. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'll toot my own horn too on that. I said uh, OKC is the last team in the West that I uh, want to play in the in the first round. You know, if you're like a top top four, um, this yeah. nightmare matchup. They have so much balance. Like Bag brought up Dennis Schroeder. Like that guy's giving you thirty. Like you're not preparing for that. And then um, Lou Dortz. Like I know, like you know, there's only so much you can do pre- to prepare for a defender. But like they have a lot to throw at you. Is what I'm getting at. <laughs> And, yeah, um, going into this series, I definitely didn't anticipate Lou Dort being the X factor. Right, right. They, they have a balanced scoring attack. They don't care. So many and, good guys. Yeah, exactly. They're led by an absolute pit bull. Chris Paul's a pit bull. That that shit he was pulling the other night when he was hitting those step backs, and he, he hit like two in a row. He missed the buzzer beer. That weird little like uh, that would have been nuts if that if that fell. But he was having fun too. Like uh, after that dirty play, hit elbow and some dude in the nuts. Um, he was having like a good talent like he missed the buzzer beater and like I know he, he can be a master manipulator in terms of his emotions uh, but 
didn't look like he really gave a shit. He was just like, yeah, we're going to go to OT and win. Like, we don't come back like this and then lose an OT. Right. Yeah. yeah it I helps that SGA for, remembered how to score, too. You're right. Yeah, when he, when he was that. scoring, I was like, <laughs> bag's happy right now. <laughs> Man, I mean, it's tough, too. Like, if you're Houston right now, you're 2-2. I, I think I read today that Russell's going to play uh, game five. But if you have to introduce him in a game six or game seven, you know, that's obviously a benefit. I think for Houston, they can get more pace and they have more of an option whenever Dort's sticking on hard and get a little bit more offensive looks. But at the same time, Russ could shoot you out of the game, you know, in game six. So it's really a tough balance for Houston to be at this point. I still feel like they win the series, but like I said earlier, I am terrified. So Vree's going Houston right now. I, yeah. I agree with you on the Russ thing, and I think Russ is one of those players that it takes him a couple games to get back into the flow just by nature of the way he plays. And I think the guys around you have to get back to being used to playing with him because his pace is kind of hard to play with, especially if you're the Rockets right. and you play at that James Harden <laughs> – walk the ball up the court, ISO, crossover, kick out three. They can take their time, walk into the spots they usually shoot from, and then you have Russ playing a million miles an hour. Sean, Bag, who do you guys have? Gun to head right now. Who's winning the series? Jim Harden. I will never bet against my buddy Jim. Okay, I'll go devil's advocate, and I'll go OKC. <laughs> no. Um, I'm, I'm going to go OKC, not because I want it. But I think OKC is going to get it done just to be on the other side of you guys. Um, I'm willing to do that because I'm a contrarian. <laughs> Quick tangent. You guys watching Jamal Murray come alive again just because he's yes. deciding to do it? It's so annoying. Yes. Like, why doesn't he just do this all the time? Look at his scoring spreads by quarter in this series. It's like he'll have 14 in the first quarter. He'll have zero in the second, 11 in the third, and then two in the fourth. Why can't he just score like LeBron scores where it's just like nine, eight? Six fourteen. Drives me up the wall. Maybe he picks his spots well, guys. <laughs> I'm, Man, I'm, the Nuggets cannot play defense. I just <laughs> I, I don't understand why Michael Porter Jr. is like the worst defender in the league when he's six uh, ten and athletic. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. I think it was someone put together like when MPJ is the closest defender. It was it was just an absolute snooze fest. Like guys are shooting like seventy percent on it. And I, I know it's kind of like a shit – it can be a shit stat at, at times. But whenever it's like they're shooting 48 of 60 or something like that, like the guy's a sieve. Yeah, so I, don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how he's that bad. Like it's not like it's his first year in the league either. I guess I mean like they like gave him sort of a red shirt year last year. But it's confusing to me as to why he's borderline unplayable. And Jamal knee, Murray's knee is hurt. Well, he has all the intangibles. It's I think it's similar to our favorite player, Kyle Kuzma, which is like, why can't you defend? And, and, and to some degree, it's probably because you have no lateral movement. But also, if you just care, and yeah. you're 6'10", you're that long, you can, like, make some contributions <laughs> on the defensive end. Like, you don't have to be a complete negative. You can be a zero. Right, right. But let's – like, it's completely ridiculous that the media likes always pointing out that he's getting pulled because of his defensive abilities or incapabilities, I should say, when nobody on that fucking team plays defense. <laughs> like, Jokic yeah. a couple times, I'm not kidding, looks like guys that play at parks in western Pennsylvania. There have been a couple high screens where he comes off and then he just backpedals slowly with his hands up, doesn't guard anyone. 
He has no idea where Rudy Gobert is ever, ever, anytime there's a screen and roll. It, it's brutal to watch. So them to point out Michael Porter Jr. be like, can't play him because he's bad defensively. It's like, who the fuck? Are they going to be able to find five guys to play if we're looking for stoppers? They need to just clone Jeremy Grant five times for defense. <laughs> no, I'm so glad that uh, we have some Jokic quandrums here because he's another guy that I feel like gets a pass just because he does something that few other bigs do in terms of like his ability to pass. Like he does throw some absolutely ridiculous dimes. But at the same time, because you throw a sick bounce pass, no look pass, doesn't mean you can just give up points as the last layer of defense. To Rudy Gobert, just stand in front of him. He doesn't have a fucking post. If you put a gun to his head and you're like, Rudy, give me two post moves that you can come up with right now, he'd be, he'd be shook. All it's he's going to do the baseline. is he's going to set a ball screen and just tag him on the roll. Like, that's it. <laughs> They were talking about that, too, like how he was asking for more touches down the stretch. And I know we love talking shit on Rudy, and I think we've talked about this before. I'm not sure if on the pod or just privately on a daily basis. But him asking for more touches down the stretch is completely fucking crazy. And I know Rosillo always compares it to Dwight when Dwight thought he needed touches. And <laughs> Rosillo was just like, Van Gundy had to look at him at some point and be like, you really just don't have any moves. <laughs> just dunk the ball for three quarters, but down the stretch when it's crunch time, just sit there and rebound. Like, relax. Absolutely zero self-awareness. Like, I almost chalked it up oh, to – Oh, my God. <laughs> Jamal Murray just made the filthiest move. Okay, timestamp, 35.1 in the third <laughs> quarter. Jamal Murray, what was that, like a 360 layup? I'm sorry. Around, sorry. around Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Oh, perfect timing. You guys are lucky you have a t- I don't know. I don't have a television, so I'm, I'm kind of left out of the loop here. I'm sorry. I'm not going to I'm not going to be exasperated during the podcast like with the that, like that, that, that was very inconsiderate of Jake and I. Yeah, that was bad job by me, but once you see the layup, you might you might get it. Sorry. Well, anyway. it must have been tremendous if it got that kind of reaction out of you guys <laughs> because we know you're not easily impressed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Rudy Gobert's the worst. I hate him. <laughs> He has, like, a lot of cool screen assists. That's it. And he also has no self-awareness. <laughs> That's Doris Burke's favorite stat. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Like, I'm completely new. I know that this whole, like, uh, pro-anti-Doris Burke thing, I, Doris Burke, has become pretty interesting to me because it's just, like, why do we have to have an opinion on Doris? Like, I don't get it. Like, why does why do we have to be, like, pro or against her? It's kind of fascinating to me. But, um yeah, I'm going to be in the camp of I hate the idea of screen assists. Sorry, it's just like it's part, of the, it's part of the play. It's almost like, okay, should we have a stat for like how many times someone has a really good backdoor cut? Because that opened up a play in the same way that a screen would have. It's like how many, oh, how many sick backdoor cuts did you have that turned into a three on the other end? I had 34 of those tonight. Or backside help that creates a turnover. That could be another good one. When did you play really good help defense that led to a turnover at some point during a possession? Here we go. Backside help that turned into a turnover. How many B-S-H-T-T-I-A-T-O's did you have tonight? I was going to say, we're going to have to abbreviate it. (laughs) It's ridiculous, man. Uh. Yeah, okay. I think we exhausted the OKC Houston stuff for now. It's a great series, and hopefully it continues into seven, and uh, we get our money's worth there. Uh, Boston and Toronto is next on the agenda. 
I want to I preface this. I'm going to throw my two cents in real quick. I thought that in this series, because we knew it was going to happen, regardless whether they had to beat the Bucks to go through, this series was going to happen, or if we got it in the second round. I always was just like, oh, this is easy. I can take the easy way out. Whoever has the home seed, they're going to win because the home crowds were a huge deal. Now there's no home crowds. So I now I have absolutely no idea who's going to win, but I, I'm pretty safe to say it's going to go six or seven. But I'm, I'm not doubting Nick Nurse. And uh, whenever we get back from our conference in Iowa, uh, we can validate our Nick Nurse status. But when we, let's get some expert opinions on uh, the Boston-Toronto situation. Please. Yeah. I, go ahead, Rick. Back. No, you got it. Oh, you got it. All right. I was just going to say, I am very timidly picking – Boston to win and I just really like what they've shown not just against the Sixers like I kind of discount that honestly but I've seen them play in so many big games this season and I really like I just I think this is the series where Tatum makes this leap and everyone's like okay Jason Tatum is fucking here and I think that's what's going to go on. But at the same time, you know, Toronto could easily win this series, obviously. Uh, I don't know if Lowry's playing game one, but I imagine he'll be back at game two at the latest. Uh, he's obviously a gamer, tough guy. Um, but like I said, I'm picking Boston, but I'm really just looking forward to the series. I think it might be the best series in this second round. All right, Bug, we got a question from Zach Connery. He says, do the Raptors have what it takes to make the finals? So I guess you can answer um, if, how they're going to fare with uh, the Celtics first, but then if they have the chance to get to the, the finals. Uh, so, yes, I think they have a chance to get to the finals, and I think they are going to beat the Celtics in six or seven. And my mm. primary reason is going to be depth. Because I think once you hit that, like, seven, eight guy mark for the Boston Celtics, you're in a lot of shit, especially when you don't have Gordon Hayward. So I'm just going to base it primarily off of death. Obviously, it's great for the Celtics to finally see Kemba Walker back to pretty normal, getting 25 night in and night out. But, like I said, I just think the Raptors' depth is too much here. What's the matchups in the starting five for that series? Let's assume Kyle Lowry's healthy. So it'll probably be Van Fleet, Kemba. Well, Van Fleet will be guarding Kemba. They won't put Kyle Lowry on him. Um, Lowry's the... smart. Marcus Smart, Lowry. Then you go Juice, Tatum, and then you would have that against uh, – is Powell starting the playoffs? I haven't watched a ton in that series. Who? Mark started Mark started all the games, but he didn't play a ton of minutes. You'll have, like, Siakam. I was going to say they can throw, like, literally four or five different guys in that uh, yeah, four or five yeah. role. OG, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. O- I guess OG and Siaka match up with Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown pretty well. I don't – yeah. I, the bench, you, you definitely got to go to Toronto, right? I mean, just yeah, having sure. having the guns that they have on the bench. I mean, Norman Powell turned it on. He's been playing great basketball. Granted, I know it was against the Nets that – are missing every piece of firepower that they have or have obtained in the last five years. But Norman Powell looks really, really good. And he's one of those guys when he's playing confident, it can really get away from you. He can string together some games where it's 20, 20, 20, zero, 
16, yeah. 0, 20. <laughs> it's like Jamal Murray's quarters. Exactly. <laughs> I think so many parts on each team will neutralize each other. Like you said, it, you almost have to find the what differentiates one from the other. And, and I don't know if Tatum can be that much better than the next best Raptor. It, it's going to have to be a, a, a very large margin for, I think, that to make the difference in the series. And they're both so well balanced. But like you said, uh, I think the bench and they have the better coach. Uh, so, Well, that point, Sean, I think we're all big Nick Nurse fans. Um, and he definitely deserved coach of the year. But like to that like marginal edge, though, like Nick Nurse is the best coach. But like I don't think he's going to coach laps around Brad Stevens either. You know what I mean? No, I agree with you. Yep. That's, that wouldn't be my, my difference. My difference is the bench. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That'll be a fun one, though, and it's going to be a war. Both of those teams play hard as shit, and both of those teams have guys that are fully bought into, like, the culture of the place that they're actually at, if that makes any sense. It's right. it's not a place where the cores are revolving doors. I mean, like, you have guys that are, are bought in, they care about one another, and it's going to be an absolute battle. Yeah, that's definitely one of the series that everyone had circled. I imagined um, Lakers, Lakers, Clippers, absolute circle for everyone. And uh, Toronto and uh, the Celtics is another one that everyone wants to see. And it looks like we're going to get an answer. So well, I'll put you on the spot. Who do you got, Sean? In that series? Yeah, Celtics, Raptors. Yeah, I, I went uh, Toronto in six or seven. I'll go Toronto in seven just because I, yeah. I want to go the distance. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like I said, I picked the Celtics, but, like, obviously if the Raptors win, I'm not going to be <laughs> – shocked as to how that could have been possibly been the outcome yeah I, I just think that if Toronto can uh they put together ways to pretty much stop anyone they want and um I don't know why that'd be different for uh Jason Tatum uh, or Brown there is potential for just some incredible individual performances on both sides like we can get the Siakam game Tatum game Jalen Brown game Kemba game Lowry that's game, exactly whatever. what I was just thinking I was because there's going to be a Tatum a Tatum game where it gets 40 I think that's a lock yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other one, I'm, I'm not sure. Conversely, there's the Siakam game where, like, holy shit, they can't stop him. It's God forbid fun. he throws in like two or three threes on top of everything else he can do. <laughs> That's when it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he can short Van Fleet either. I mean, he's been playing out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, Bug. Um, I have a it'll, few... be, it'll be a great series. I'm excited for that. Oh, yeah. Great series. I have a few mailbags questions. I know um, we. They were fiction last week. These ones are actually real, sent in by real people, not Kyle Kuzma or recently fired Brett Brown. I was going to say, Brett got his answer from last week. <laughs> uh, how, okay, how many holes of golf has Brett played since he got fired, and also how drunk is he at this very moment? 72. 72 <laughs> holes. <laughs> yeah. No, for beers, Brett, no. He... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll get into the mailbag. Um, Starting off with the team in the East that we didn't really talk about. He just got Defensive Player of the Year. This question's from NBA Sorcerers. That's kind of dark. Uh, <laughs> is Giannis leaving Milwaukee, or does it depend on how the rest of the playoffs go? Can I just start off with just, just start off with this? Because <laughs> I want to get into Miami – to beat Milwaukee uh, prediction just on oh, yeah, yeah. somewhere. Oh, shit. Yeah. This, is perfect for, this is perfect for it. Yeah, we can touch on this series then right now. 
Um, I'm picking Miami to beat the Bucks. It's kind of been a popular opinion over the last couple of days just because the way the Bucks series has played out and the way uh, Miami took Indiana to Broom City. But I know they didn't have Sabonis, but still, that series just wasn't close. Um, I do think that Miami's going to beat Milwaukee this year if someone else doesn't. So I will pick Toronto or Boston to beat Milwaukee. And then if they make the finals, I'll pick against them there too. So maybe I'll just be wrong the whole way, but I think that's what's going to happen. So Giannis is going to win this year. And then I could see a situation where they don't win next year. And ultimately he's in that KD type of LeBron situation where he's been there for seven, eight years, whatever it is, nine years. And he's just like, all right, I got to go somewhere else to win. And I think the two obvious destinations would be Miami and Golden State has obviously, I think, been pretty openly recruiting him, or at least their fans have been, with these uh, fake trades for like the second pick, Andrew Wiggins, and then next year's Minnesota pick, which in my book wouldn't give you anything, wouldn't give you anyone from Pitt's basketball team. But anyway, um, what do you guys think? I think Giannis is eventually going to leave. Next year's Minnesota picks protected top three, right? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really dependent on how the, the seasons go, obviously. I think if he makes one finals, then he'll at least, you know, extend that a little bit longer, maybe another year with like a option on the second. But, you know, if they get bounced not in the finals this year, like they get bounced by the Heat or the – Celtics or Raptors, he's going to be on, you know, kind of like the hot seat. Like, everyone's going to be watching that next year. Like, oh, shit. Well, they better put something together if you're the the front office of Milwaukee because if you don't, Giannis is gone. So, I mean, like I said, it's, it's really dependent. If I was a betting man, I'd say he's gone just because I don't see them making a finals. Giannis isn't going to be like a destination guy for any superstar to go play with either. I mean, he plays super hard, and they win a lot. But I can't see any of the star guards that could get them over the hump or get him to a title voluntarily agreeing to go to Milwaukee and play with them. I, I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. But Do you think it's more because of where he's at or just how he is as a player? I don't think it has anything to do with geographic location. I've heard Milwaukee's a great city. Um, we gave good pub to Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago. I think we're like – why would you pay for that high high rent uh, real estate in Chicago? You can live right across the lake in Milwaukee. It's beautiful. That's right, dude. Go an hour and a half north. You got plenty of space. It's uh, I'm sure there's a tax break, but oh, I, I think oh, just yeah, by yeah, the Fortune 500. <laughs> they, yeah, they got a bunch of them there. We don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> but I I think I think it's a tough sell trying to get a superstar guard to go play there just because of the way Giannis plays. I agree I mean, with you. Giannis is always going to be number one, and I think it's kind of hard to play second fiddle. I think Chris Middleton's a great fit to do that, but good luck getting anybody higher up on, like, the tier chart than Chris Middleton to go there and play with him on a wing. Yeah, I think that they copied the the model, maybe incidentally, of a, a bad LeBron team where it was like, we're just – it's different than the Harden situation right now, but it's just like one good – one guy that we're going to run everything through and everyone else – fills in accordingly and embraces your role. I think that's a good point with a, a high premier talent to join Milwaukee. It'd be a bizarre fit. Mm-hmm. That being I said, I don't even know who would go there. Like I, off yeah. the top of my head, I can't think of anybody that would voluntarily be like, yeah, let's go play next to Giannis. 
that would make a fucking difference. I mean, yeah, there was the exciting conversation last summer. I think whenever everyone was like, Chris Paul isn't going to play a game for OKC, and everyone was like, he's going to Milwaukee. That would have been very interesting to see. Chris Paul. There would have been issues there, I think. Oh, I mean, I can't see Chris Paul like. That's why the dude is not going to win. He just can't. He can't kowtow to like his his ego to anyone. It's not even kowtowing. It's just like he can't even like give an inch. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. But we answered a, a, another guy's question. Hold on, um, real quick. I just I want to say yeah, yeah. like I, I think Milwaukee built like the perfect like outside of another star, but I think they built the perfect team for Giannis. It's just shooters upon shooters upon shooters. And I think yeah. that's like, – if you're going to be even remotely successful with Giannis as your guy, that's exactly what you have to do. Like, I don't know if you uh, have been watching any of the uh, Milwaukee-Orlando series or did watch any of it, but what's uh, what's their coach's name? I'm brain farting. Um, Bood. Bood? Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, like, in practice, they basically run, like, this five, four or five square thing where they know that everyone is going to crowd the paint and they, they have Giannis practice, practicing driving to, like, each, you know, angle in space. And, like, they just have these guys rotate to one of these five spots. And, like, Giannis knows exactly where to look as soon as, like, help comes. And, like – Wow, that's called, like, really good coaching. Yeah, it's crazy that. how that works. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I think they built the perfect team for Giannis just outside of having that other guy that can absolutely take a game over. Like, you know, Middleton might get you, like, 35 on a random night, but – you know, I think they it's really did build a nice team around them. Yeah. I don't think can it'll I ever get any that? better than this. Can go I build on that point? Yeah, no, good. I was just going to say, I want to build on that, that perfect team around Giannis thing because I 100% agree back. And I think sort of the problem with Giannis is that what they're missing is him being able to take it to the next level in the final one or two minutes. And Simmons and Russell were talking about, uh, I don't mean to keep bringing them up, but Whenever people disciples. refer to, yeah, whenever people refer to Giannis as the best player in the league, they're like, "Yeah, we we agree, Giannis is the best player in the league," and I get that. But then they were like, "But you know, in the last two minutes or whatever, there's some stuff you don't like or whatever." And I was, I wanted to be like, "But to be the best player in the league, are you really? Shouldn't that last two minutes of the game be the most important thing for a player to be the best player in the league?" So I get it. If it was my choice and I had to pick the best player for the regular season, I am 100% picking Giannis. In the playoffs, give me LeBron, give me Kawhi, give me KD. I would even take Harden ahead of him in the playoffs because they can, he can score. They'll, all those guys can score at the end of the game. And I think that's what's holding them back. Like Back said, the team is constructed perfectly for what he is. Now they need him to be able to take that next step to score in the last two minutes. He might be able to do that this year, but I'm betting against it. Yeah, you sent me that text the other day when you were like, why does Giannis have to be the best player in the league? And I was like, I, I completely get it. I completely see what you're saying. Like, All the question marks that we have on him and everyone else does are big enough to make him not the best player in the league. Like, those are all really important parts. Um, and the Giannis hate is, is coming. It's around the corner. Like, the criticism, a guy that we talked about uh, who was free of criticism earlier in the pod, it was uh, – Damian Lillard. Yeah, Lillard. He's not he's – not, he has, like, that free pass or whatever. Giannis has that and has had it for a while, and it's going away. Because, like, once you start getting recognized individually, when you win two MVPs in a row, because that one's definitely coming around, around the pike. And then yeah. when you become the favorite for the one the following year, like – 
favorite to three peat MVPs with no rings. Like that criticism's coming hard. Like, and, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people when it's like, oh, wait, we're allowed to say something negative about Giannis. Would you guys agree that's on the LeBron KD type wavelength, which ultimately kind of led those guys to leave was the criticism without a ring, right? hundred percent. But do you think he, like, and that? I think it kind of comes back to like stars not really being super open to playing with him. Do you think when he decides to shop the market that he's going to be able to find a contender to land with? Cause that's another big piece of the puzzle. Like golden state took KD and we're open to that because KD had agreed to play like that because he was ring chasing. Do you think Giannis can take a back seat like that somewhere that he goes to be on a contender and be a part of potentially a championship roster? I don't see. I don't think KD took a back seat. I think like the entire Warriors organization took the back seat to KD, and I think that's why I I could see the Heat being a great fit for Giannis because I could see that organization who's done it before and, and has molded what they've had and adapted quickly. I think that Giannis on the heat is far better. Um, I don't, I don't know what they'd have to move and stuff in terms of that, but even if they have to move, they figure it out. They figured out Giannis on the heat is better than Giannis on the bucks. And like next year, they're going to have to uh, go through KD and his partner in, in Brooklyn. I think that's enough to get to a, to a contender. But don't you think it's like kind of like that a clashing of play styles if he's on the same team as Bam? Because Bam kind of hovers well, around. Well, that's what I was about to say. Bam's going to go. Yeah, they, they, yeah. But like, just like the call, I'm, I'm not even in terms of like personnel as much as just like, culture. I guess I'm biased. Just Winning culture. Seen, yeah, I've seen Miami hold up a freaking trophy. I guess that's why I'm biased. But like, I just trust them, like Riley and Spo. I know Boo's a great coach, but ultimately the organization of like, figuring out what needs to get done that Milwaukee won't figure out. I don't think that's necessarily biased just because while, like Bag said, Milwaukee put around this perfect team against him. But if you put Giannis on the Bucks versus Giannis on the Heat this year, I would pick Giannis on the Heat, even though that wouldn't necessarily be the perfect fit because they have the culture of winning. And I know there isn't the same guys who were there whenever they were winning in the early 2010s, but you still have Spo and Pat Riley and all these guys who knows what it takes to win a championship. Has anyone on the box roster won a championship? I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like George Hills played in the finals and he missed the free throw that ultimately led to the JR gaff, but you know, whatever. Um, Iggy's on the heat right now. Um, I know Jimmy Butler hasn't won a championship. I, I like him and I like the culture that they've created there in terms of winning. I think that matters as opposed to having a better team fit. But that's just, you know, my opinion. If Giannis got down there, it'd be short window, though, because there's going to be a lot of young guys in Miami that are going to get paid. Yeah, so for sure. It'd be, they'd have that one-year gap, I think, where Giannis got down there and they kind of had to make it work that one year and throw it together and be like, this is the best chance that we have. Because Tyler Hero is going to get fucking paid, I think. Uh, I think Dunk's going to get paid. I mean, if he well, keeps getting better the way he is, like, yeah, I don't I know what happens with Kendrick Nunn, but I think teams are becoming a lot more tolerable with that risk too. We just saw the Clippers do it, and they're just like, "Look, we're gonna, we have this small gap. Um, we're okay with taking this enormous risk." And then also at the same time, the caveat to that is that you have right now that cheap talent where like they can make it work with Hero and Robinson, literally, well, Robinson being like a volunteer and. Uh, hero getting paid but like you have all that cheap uh talent it's almost like the uh to a much less degree 
when when the Warriors were able to make it work because uh, Steph was still on that like 54th highest paid player in the league. So it's almost going to take some weird little uh, blip in the radar for it to work out. But again, I just think Miami makes sense. I agree. So a few of the questions that we had were, were about the uh, Bucks and Heat, actually. So, uh, Nikki Marov, you got your question answered, too. Uh, I feel like we'll do, like, one, one or two more of these. Um, got one from Dominic Yakovella that's just far, far too dirty for me to read. Um, so thanks for the, the thing, Dominic. We can't read that out loud. Um, I got one from – Jack Johansson, please don't talk about LeBron for an hour on your next pod. You got it, Jack. I think we said his name three times in passing. Um, Thanks for the tip, Jack. <laughs> oh, man, we talked about a lot of no, this No, but going stuff. off Jack's point, though, we should probably talk about LeBron for the next yeah. hour, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey Jack, yeah, thanks for the point. We're gonna completely uh, ignore it. Uh, gonna so- want to shut it off, Jack, before we get to hour two. <laughs> um, do we even talk about LeBron that much? Does he even listen? Dude, that's that's what, <laughs> no. I think he's talking about. I did one with Brian where it was just all Lakers. Oh, that makes like, sense. It was like <laughs> I think it was fifty minutes. No, forty-seven minutes long, all Lakers. Um, this is a lot of pro Donovan Mitchell stuff. I mean, we answered a lot of this, these guys' questions. Oh, here's a good one. Um, Andre Stack 17. If you had to trade one, are you trading Embiid or Simmons and why? We will end on this one and bang, start us off. I know, I know you got the skin of the game with the Sixers. Uh, I am trading Joel Embiid for two reasons. One, uh, I think his value right now is higher. And two, I think his window for greatness is a lot smaller and a lot shorter than Ben Simmons is at this point. John? Yeah, I would go and beat. We've talked about it before, but, I mean, you sell high and you buy low. Um, plus, I think it's not a lot of teams win with a true center like Joel anymore. Um, and I think the return that you could get for him, you could get some valuable pieces. And if Ben Simmons will actually agree to play the four – and just be a really good defender that can attack the basket from the wing. I think you'd be in a good spot if you just got some middle-of-the-road big guy and then, like, a 3-and-D guy for him, which you could do. I mean, Joel's stock super – especially after the playoff run. I mean, he played great in the playoffs. The only thing is that injury concern. Um, but I think you get a lot back for him. And I, for some reason in my heart of hearts, believe that he will end up a San Antonio Spur at some point. Wow. Free, can you follow up with anything more piping than that? Uh, no, that's tough to beat. I was just going to say, I just a little bit. Uh, I think uh, Simmons isn't Giannis, but I think if you did a Bucks like system with Simmons, it would work well. I don't know what the right system is for Embiid, and I get worried about uh, conditioning and health. So ultimately, uh, I'm going Simmons for that reason. You're trading Simmons? No, no, I'm like I'm I'm keeping Simmons. I'm trading Embiid. I think I could build a Bucks-like system around Simmons. He's awesome defensively. Yeah. yeah. Um, everything else. So yeah. yeah. I think we're all on the same page with that. I don't know if you're an NBA viewer how you you couldn't lean that way just with all the concerns around Embiid. And I know it's ironic because Simmons is the one that's hurt right now. But... What are the terms on the Horford deal? Do they have him for another year? 
It's like two. I think it's three more years. I think. It's, yeah, I think that. Yeah. I think it was like four hundred nine mil or something. I couldn't remember if it was two or three years. Because I remember that. I remember it being like. I think it's three because I was like, okay, they're gonna get. I was bullish on that trade last summer, which is aged terribly. But I was like, oh, they're gonna get two years of playing out of them, and then that third year, they're just gonna pay him to be a great assistant coach. Wow, I hit it right on the head. Four years, one hundred nine million. Good <laughs> lord. Uh, uh, so he's got three years left at what like a lot yeah a lot i can't too much (laughs) i was an english major no math yeah it was quick math by tyler a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's bad i mean you can trade like that's the other thing though is if you trade one of them you can probably get off who's going to take that contract though i'm saying if you trade in bead you might be able Uh, to like be like you have to take tobias or Horford. Yeah, I mean, I think the only one teams would be willing to take is Tobias just because he's still youngish. I mean, how old's Al Horford? He's got to be like 34. Tobias is also a perennial winner everywhere he's ever gone to, Tyler. You forget that. Oh, that's a good point. It's worth the money, too. Uh, All right. That's fair. That's a fair point. Anyone have any, any last uh, – Peace and blessings. To say. I have a question and for everybody here. If, how many push-ups did you do today? <laughs> I got to 500. Um, if Golden State drafts James Wiseman, what's the ceiling next year? High enough for them to trade for LaMelo Ball. You think they're trading I, for LaMelo Ball? No. no. Dude, I, don't know any, I don't know anything about James Wiseman. I think he's the best prospect in the draft. I think Golden State is an absolute contender from day one next year, like immediately back in it. One yeah, seed potential. I I'd go title, and especially they're going to be so pissed off next year, and they're going to that's be, the biggest thing. Yeah, doing a whole bunch of shit. Um, yeah, I think they're I think they're stealing his title. I mean, I I don't see uh, them not being one of the four best teams in the West next year. I'd say I think. LA, LA. I think Houston's got another year with it. And then uh, Golden State right in there at that top four with obviously uh, Dallas and Denver and Utah, all those guys really barking down their neck. But yeah. I can't fucking wait. I miss Steph so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, conference I is think ridiculous. year one, James Wiseman would just be like a Walmart version. And that's just the opposite of an Aldi's brand version of. Jordan Bell like he'd just be Jordan Bell but better in year one nothing like insane but you know he'd be a good athletic defender who can't really score with absolutely like zero eyes on him I think it'll be a good situation where like one he'll be open to the criticism because the team will be good but at the same time there's no expectations on because like look at the guy he's playing with and that's a great uh that's a great situation to like grow at a sustainable pace where these, there aren't these ridiculous freaking expectations thrown on you that can just hurt your career. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. He can score from eight feet out or eight feet and in, but like, he's not going to be able to like jab at you from 17 feet and cross you over and pull up. Here's the thing, bud. He's playing for the golden state warriors. So they're going to walk in day one. They're going to be like, Hey dude, you're our starting center. Draymond plays power forward, but we all pretty much play the same position. You're going to stand right here in the short corner. We're going to set a high screen for one of these guys that shoots 70% from three. If they don't hedge and double, that guy's going to shoot a three. You need the offensive rebound. 
If they do, he's going to throw a slip pocket pass to Draymond. Draymond's going to take one dribble. If your guy leaves, he's throwing an oop. We're going to need you to dunk it. He's, in, he's 7-1 in athletic. He's going to be like, yeah, I, I can probably handle that. If he doesn't do that, he's going to shoot a floater. He makes about 40% of them. So that means you need to be ready to rebound. And he's be like, oh, fuck, I can do that. I'm seven foot one and athletic. I think it's the perfect situation. And literally since October, I have been saying, I think they're going to end up with James Wiseman. They're going to win the title next year. Like, it's setting up perfect. I never wanted to be James Wiseman more in my life than right now. John, that yeah. was a great sell. Especially with, and here's the other thing. The NBA might have had a little fix on it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, no conspiracy theories here, but the fact that Minnesota got the one and they don't need a center pretty much guaranteeing the two takes a center. I mean, they put it in their lap. They want golden state around. Yeah. I hey, want golden Jamal state Murray's around. being the best player on the, the, the nuggets right now. And they're going to win the ball game. So he's been incredible. He's been so good. He's got 42, he has, he has, 8, and 7. A Canadian sniper. Put I will say, on the mat. I will say I could see Golden State getting into the finals next year just to lose to Kevin Durant, who's bad. Or, or I should say who's back and very angry at them, I believe. For the, we could go uh, We could go on for another couple hours on, on, on this. I will say that – I will love a Nets Warriors finals next year. Uh, I know there's, I've thought about this. There's so many storylines within there. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I know that's not like hot take at all, but it, whenever you like break it down, how much good stuff we can get out of that, it, it needs to happen. And I don't know why we're talking about next year's finals when, we <laughs> even, when we're lucky to have this yeah. year's finals, but um, yeah, I guess that's why we're fans. I'll we'll say that for another day. I'd, I'd give up. I'd give up a a phalange for for that finals to happen. Yep, I I would give up a kidney. <laughs> I'm not gonna try to one up you guys because those are I'm pretty not serious sacrifices. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, great great time as always. Um, thanks for joining. Thanks, John. And we call him Jim Harden. <laughs>